My name is Gianni Russo, a.k.a. Carlo, the infamous son-in-law from The Godfather. I'm now known as the Hollywood Godfather, and this is my story. Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody, to another Hollywood Godfather podcast. I'm here with my compadre, Pat, and our special correspondent coming from Gracie Mansion. <laughs> Pat, make the intros, please. Okay. Uh, first of all, uh, hi, everybody. Uh, we have gotten quite a few emails about uh, our guest uh, wanting to know more. So today we have Donna Presley on. This is Elvis Presley's cousin. And she was on about a month ago. And apparently, Donna, you, uh, you're a hit. Well, great. That's awesome. <laughs> I yeah, love it. And, and, uh, uh, primarily, uh, we had quite a few questions, but uh, the, the one that came to the top and was asked most often is about uh, your youth with Elvis. Mm-hmm. Okay. So take it away, Donna. <laughs> Which I'm probably, well, you know, uh, that's probably the most was, asked uh, question, right? Yeah, it is. It's the most asked question. Is it? Yeah. About my, just just want to know about my youth with Elvis. Okay. Well, uh, that's where know. we start. Well, you, okay. you mentioned on the last show you lived there since you're eight years old. My memory I did, yes. Right. Well, yeah. you know, from the time I was 10 years old, I spent all my summers at Graceland. Uh, our grandmother lived with Elvis. And so uh, I'm originally from Missouri. So I would go every summer when school was out and I would stay at Graceland from the time I was 10. Um, then um, when I was about 15, Elvis asked me and my mom and my dad into the dining room. And he said, you know, I love, you know, we love having Donnie here with us. And so we want her to move in with us and you can come visit her whenever you want. I'll send her to school. I'll buy her a car. When she gets graduates from high school, I will uh, help her get into whatever she wants to. Well, I'm, I'm sitting here over the moon thinking, oh, yes, awesome. And my mother goes, uh, no. So... <laughs> Elvis never asked me. My little girl should go home with. I'm sorry. Elvis never asked me to move in and take care of all my expenses, (laughs) and and he sure as hell never bought me a car unless it's in the garage and I just never looked. I haven't been there in a while. There you go. Maybe it is. There you go. Go ahead. But uh, anyway, when I was then, when I was 17, uh, he bought the Circle G Ranch in Walls, Mississippi, and we moved. My family and I moved on to that, and we lived there from. 67 to 69 uh, and then he sold it so we moved onto the grounds of Graceland and I lived there till I was grown and, and moved out on my own and my parents lived there till 1982 which was several years after Elvis's death so I was around a lot so they, they, they stayed there soon after he passed long after he passed also right I'm sorry you said your parents lived there after he passed on after he passed, yeah, from nineteen, uh, they lived there till nineteen eighty two, and he died in nineteen seventy seven. Really? But they opened the house uh, to the public at that time, and that's when they they moved off. Uh-huh. The so, question here, while, while we're talking about that, how? I mean, you were around the the the, uh, the Memphis Mafia, <laughs> yes, and all, and all his friends that comprised it i mean his, his musicians well these guys mm-hmm. and i never had anybody to ask i mean i wouldn't tell you know 
I, I'm, I wasn't that close to Priscilla to begin with. I've seen her and been in a company, which would be mm-hmm. the long time. What what were you thinking of why these guys didn't save him? Those prescriptions were all made out to them. Uh, yes, they were. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's, that's kind of a hard question to answer. Uh, Elvis had his demons, you know, he had problems. And uh, um, when he got, when he went into the service in the army, you know, his life kind of changed totally because he was used to being up all night and sleeping in the daytime. And when he went to the service, it, it changed. And so yeah, he kind of had to get used to doing that. And uh it became it, it became a vicious circle, you know, and it kind of overtook him. And uh, it's not that people, you know, the family certainly tried, you know, but um, right. Elvis was Elvis, and he was going oh, to no, do what nobody he was, was going to do. Kill. No, and it, you know, you don't. I, I think when people are in that, it they don't really realize the uh, the depth of the problem sometimes. See, Elvis did me a big favor. When mm-hmm. I came back for, to America after the assassination of the Kennedys, uh-huh. I, I went to Vegas mm-hmm. and I opened a club in the Tropicana Hotel called Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Elvis was working for a friend of mine called Kirk Kokorian, and he opened the International Hotel, which I'm sure you're very much aware of. Right. And that was the last two weeks of July. Mm-hmm. Mark Streisand opened for the week, the two weeks prior, and then he went in. So I met Elvis in 1961. Oh, did you really? <laughs> oh, I have. He's in my show. That I have to show you, like the show I'm doing this weekend. Oh, I'd love to see it. Yeah, uh, I got to send you the photographs. But why I'm bringing it up? I was invited down with from fr- with Frank Sinatra and a, mm-hmm. a very good friend of mine, a, a mob guy, uh, a Jewish mob guy, <laughs> and they were filming this NBC special of Sinatra welcoming. Sinatra back, I mean, Elvis back to the country. Right. And they had friction up until that point. <laughs> because Frank didn't really like Elvis. Really? I was, you know, nobody knew that, but, you know. Yeah. When he was asked to do this, it was such an honor. And they got so close. Mm-hmm. And it was a witness to so many of those things. Because mm-hmm. when, when Sinatra, you know, Sinatra was doing Elvis's material in that special mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and elvis was doing sinatra's material. doing frank's right uh-huh. and it was so and i have all the clips i oh, have awesome. the clips, all the outtakes so with uh, that said i got to know him that well and then when he went to work for kurt i sent an invitation to you know sweet uh, three thousand where he maintained mm-hmm. the roof right and i said i have a limousine out at the end of the show 12 two o'clock come to the club and we really got close because you know once he's working he don't go to bed mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. At seven or eight after we watch a couple of cowboy movies and do mm-hmm. whatever else he wants to do <laughs> and then you know elias Ghanem, that was his yeah. doctor so yes. I, that's why yes. i asked that question and i it always bothered me that why didn't somebody step in they saw the difference in his weight they saw everything and I mean, I just somebody should have gotten in touch. Yeah, you know, Elvis was Elvis was very. Uh, he had a lot of medical problems, and uh, you know he took medication for that. And uh, you know, not not to uh, either condemn what he you know anything or or to raise that you know that it was okay. But um, 
you know, Elvis was Elvis and he was going to do what he was going to do. And uh, um, unfortunately, his heart gave out and uh, every one of the Presley family, every member of the Presley family, <clears throat> excuse me, has died with congestive heart failure. Every single one. Wow. And that's what he died from. Was congestive well, I, I knew that he had that problem because of Elias. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that's why then, I mean, everything that he was doing yeah as a pleasurable thing was killing him yeah well you know and that's that's the thing of it you know you don't re often realize you know the depths of uh destruction that your lifestyle you know brings to you uh and unfortunately that happens to a lot of people you know uh, and you you're to be honest i, I think that <clears throat> excuse me entertainers have a, a very hard life sometimes Oh my God, it's very lonely. In that, you know, in that all that they do. And with Elvis, he was the most loved and adored person that on this earth, just about. And he and, gave, uh, he gave to have that he was with them too. Yeah, he gave, yeah. He, I mean, he just, he gave so much of himself. He just didn't have anything left over for himself. Yeah. So because he gave everything away. I hope you don't mind me asking that question, but it bothered me. Online, you know. Yeah. So what was, an, what was an average day like when you, you were growing up? You're there, he moves you in, you're going to school, local school, private school, public school. What was it? No, I went to public school. And, uh, you know, I come home and, and it really depended. If, if Elvis was at home, uh, it was controlled chaos. You never knew what was going to happen. Uh, there'd be, you know, they'd be out riding horses or uh, riding on the golf cart, uh, swimming, uh, whatever he wanted to do, riding motorcycles, whatever he wanted to do, that's, you know, then everybody pretty much went with him. Of course, I was younger than he was and I was in school, so I didn't go a lot of those places. And all of my interaction came with either at Graceland or at the Circle G or if like the whole family went somewhere. Cause like on New Year's Eve, he would, uh, a lot of times would, uh, rent out, uh, places in Memphis. And everybody would go, and I would go to those. And I remember a couple of times when Ronnie Millsap was playing. You know, it, it was the entertainment. Wow. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. He was very giving and loving, and uh, he loved to laugh. He loved practical jokes. So he was. It was. It was awesome. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. that's why I can yeah. describe it. <laughs> when you made friends at school, when you first started there, and everybody makes you know school friends were right you, were you permitted to have them over to graceland i could i didn't uh you know there were very I don't blame me to have a bus outside <laughs> yeah, exactly. that, everybody that wanted to be my friend <laughs> no yeah. uh you know you uh you learn especially growing up in in a famous family like that you kind of learn uh who wants to be your friend to be actually oh, yeah. be your friend and, and who actually wants to get, you know, use you for something. Right. Um, so there were very few people that I took to grace. Very few, maybe two, maybe three at the most. Now I'm reflecting on your childhood being under such a, a microscope. Mm -hmm. Do you feel you missed out on anything? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm extremely blessed, extremely blessed to have grown up in such a wonderful, loving, caring, uh, famous family. Um, 
I didn't miss out on anything. I mean, I had lots of friends. Uh, I dated. I went to school functions. So it was pretty much an ordinary childhood, except I just happened to have some of the most famous person on the planet related to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Well, yeah, it's amazing because uh, Pat's keeping me up to speed of all that you're doing besides in your tours. And um, do, you, do you attribute that because of your past? But this is on your own accolades and you're being, because I heard you sing and do all this. I want to catch your show. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's something that's funny because it's uh, something I've, I've just started recently doing in the last years is singing. Um, but, really? you know, I feel almost like it's a, a calling for me to uh, travel around the world and let people know what Elvis is, it was really like and the family was like. Uh, he's as famous today as he ever was. Oh, and, no. I mean, he's an icon forever. Yeah. Loved and adored by millions and millions all over the world. So to me, to be able, especially when I go to Europe, I love going to Europe because European have fans are just for, for Oh, they're just awesome. They they love him so much. And, and that extends to the entire family. And um, so to me, it's it's uh, it's a calling. It's something I feel like I need to do. I have to do to let people know what he was like and what the family was like, because there's so many stories out there about, you know, the kind of person that he was. And uh, I, I just think it's important for people to realize what a wonderful, wonderful man and role model that he was. And is still today. I mean, he had his faults. We all have our faults and he right. had his problems as all of us do, but you know, he, um, he did his job. He did it with, uh, integrity with passion with love and he gave all of that and is still giving it through his music and movies and so forth and the kind of person that he was so to me it's important for me to just carry that on that's great were you there on that terrible night when he passed away um no i was at home with my children um i had a had a my son my oldest son was three and my youngest son was 11 months and uh, my mother called me and she was crying uncontrollably. And I kept trying to get her to tell me what was wrong. And she said, the only thing she said was pray for Elvis, pray for Elvis, pray for Elvis. No, and I said, what's wrong? She said, just pray for Elvis. So growing up in a God-fearing and, and faith-filled family, uh, I took my two little boys into the living room and I kneeled down in the floor and I didn't know what I was praying for. I just knew that Elvis needed my prayers. And so I started praying uh, about 20 minutes later, my mom called and uh, she was all to pieces. And she said, it's too late, baby. It's too late. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, it's Elvis. And I said, what's wrong with him? And she said, he's gone. And she said, come to Graceland immediately. Wow. So I, I got a babysitter, uh, next door neighbor for my children. And I went to Graceland and, um, it was horrific, horrible. Uh, I walked in the back door like I always did. And I walked to my grandmother's room cause that's where we always went to. And, uh, uncle Vernon was sitting outside the door of my grandmother's room and he was on the phone and I walked over and I kneeled down beside him or in front of him. And I just, I just hugged him and told him, you know, we both cried, you know, and he said, I don't know how we'll, how we're going to live without him. I don't know how I'll make it. And I literally sat there and 
the rest of Uncle Barney's life, I watched I watched him just die from grief, literally. Every yeah. breath he took was uh, a struggle. Well, they were so close, my God. Yeah, they were very close. And, you know, a lot of people, and I'm so glad you mentioned that, Gianni. Thank you, because a lot of people, you know, talk about how close he was with his mother. And he was, of course. He adored his mother. But, you know, I like for people to realize that he was ex- is just as close to his dad. Oh, and yeah. they had a wonderful relationship. Yeah. Loving. Very loving. Yeah. I met, I met Brian a couple of times when he came to, to uh, the International. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was a great guy. He was, he, was, he was so funny, but he had a very dry sense of humor, you know. Well, and he could say something, and everybody else is laughing, and he's sitting there wondering, you know, looking at you like you lost your mind. <laughs> so yeah, was so he was awesome. I could remember when he would walk through the casino, you would mm-hmm. think it was Elvis because everybody knew who he was. It was like yeah. the mm-hmm. respect they gave him was amazing. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, you know, he was a wonderful man, a really wonderful man. And I, uh, the last six months of his life, I worked for him in the office there at Graceland. And uh, I got really, really close to him. And I was, I'm really thankful for that time because as I was growing up, you know, you uh, you're close to him, but you don't spend that much time with him on a daily basis. One, but yeah. I, I saw him every day, and it's uh, we got we became very close, and I'm very very blessed to have that time with him. So for for the audience, if they went to see your show, that's what the show is about. The whole show. Yes, I, yes. I, it's, I you know, that. I talk about Elvis. I tell stories. Uh, I answer questions, um, and then I sing his music. Oh, really? Which songs do you sing? That should be interesting. Well, let's see. Uh, when I was touring in Sweden, I did three songs. Uh, Let It Let It Be Me, um, Sentimental Me, and, uh, oh, uh, shucks. Uh, trying to think of the other song now. Mess of Blues. Okay, good. And listen, I, I can't wait to see your show. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see yours as well. So. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Well, our uh, our audience, Donna, is all over the world, and perhaps you should tell us where you're going to go next, where you're touring. Oh, yes, actually. Uh, well, I'm doing a show in Germany, May the 19th, and with Dennis Jail, and then uh, we fly to Italy, and then we do a nine-day Mediterranean cruise. It's called the TCB Cruise, and it'll be me, Linda Thompson, Sam Thompson, who worked with Elvis, uh, Glendy Harden, who was Elvis's piano player, uh, Paul Lyme, who's the drummer, and uh, oh, huh? geez, that's great, yeah, and Donna, uh, Donna Rhodes and Ginger Holiday, who sang backup real. So, we'll all be on the cruise, and it'll be a great time, yeah. I, re- I remember the blossoms being there, <laughs> that's how yeah. I go back. <laughs> that's wild, that's great. Well, that's, I mean, even the. The musicians and everything that that's really pulling the show together because you you have the heart of the, of the band is it you know now you got them working with you too that's perfect yeah yeah it's it's a lot of fun and you know they tell stories and uh you know it, it's it's amazing to hear you know not only the stories about well you've got linda who who lived with him who was his girlfriend and, and i love linda uh she she's amazing and uh um I think I, I wished he had married her. And um, then you've got, you know, the guys that work for him and you've got family member and then you've got band members and backup singers. So it, it covers the whole spectrum. So it, it's a great time. 
How many minutes is the show? It's about uh, an hour and a half. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. we, I do. Eighty minutes. That's what these casinos want. They don't want nobody else. Yeah. eighty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. No, I'm I'm really happy for you, and I'm I'm actually I didn't realize the the, the musicians are with you also. So yeah. you're, you're giving so much back of Elvis, even on your stage. There's so many. Well, yeah, it's, it, that's the whole point, you know, is is to give to give back to uh, because he gave so much, you know, to everybody else. And I get letters and, you know, from uh, all over the world and uh, that they just still adore Elvis, even if, you know, a lot of them weren't even born when he was alive. Oh, but I they know. Loved his music and, you know. Yeah. And, and they love, you know, who he was and what he stood for and his faith. He. You know, he was never ashamed to stand up for his faith in God and his family oh, values. No. And yep. so, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's a good role model. Yeah. No, really. I mean, it's it's amazing to even be talking to you because, you know, I, I got to know him on a totally different level. I even took one of those flights to San Francisco for those ridiculous mm. sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder why he died just on us there. That bacon and peanut butter. I mean, he's nuts. <laughs> It's the heart attack waiting to happen. I know. I know. Oh my God. I, I did it once. And I said, no more. I ain't doing this. Why? I said, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I, just to hang out with him, you know, I had very little experience with him over mm-hmm. a couple, maybe I was in his company 10 times, but mm-hmm. the unforgettable times. Yeah. He was, he was funny. He, he loved to have a good time. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, well, we had a major shootout up yeah. on. <laughs> Yeah, you told me about that. That's awesome. There's about $10,000 worth of damage on the world. <laughs> but he liked that. You know you know that. He had that 45 with him everywhere. Oh, I know. I know. I know. That's press, it's a Presley trait. We all carry it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's fabulous. You're still keeping in touch with the Memphis Mafia, any of that group? Well, some of them are with say that again. You keep in touch with the Memphis Mafia as friends. Well, actually, you know, I'll be uh, Sam Thompson, who was the band players at Memphis Mafia. Yeah. Well, uh, the band players weren't, but the guys that travel with him, yeah, most yeah. of them are, are deceased now. But uh, there's uh, Sam Thompson. I'll be on tour with. I mean, I'll be on the uh, cruise with him. So yeah, I, occasionally I keep in touch with them, but most of them have passed away, unfortunately. Oh wow. Okay. Uh, Johnny, what do you say we uh, take a break here? Oh, yeah, we'll make some money. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We know where you live. We are pleased to announce the publication of a new book series from Gianni Russo and Patrick Piccarelli entitled The Sixth Family. When the alleged daughter of Marilyn Monroe asks for help, Gianni Russo becomes entangled in a web of lies and violence in the search for the late actress's diary. Soon, he is enmeshed in a mystery that involves a presidential candidate, a disgruntled mafia copo, a retired NYPD detective, and the past of mafia boss Frank Costello. Russo must race against the clock to stop a hostile reorganization of the American Mafia while trying to stay one step ahead of a faceless killer. While listening to this book, skillfully read by Gianni himself, the listener will have to determine what is true and what is fiction. 
or as Gianni says before this epic story begins, this book is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. Look out for the second installment of this exciting new series coming in 2023. The Sixth Family. Book one is available now on Amazon.com. We are back. You are an amazing guest, though. Seriously. You're oh, well, no, I mean, your energy level is phenomenal. Well, thank you so history, much. I'm glad, I'm glad you're out there performing and sharing it because, like you well, said. You know, it's something I love doing. I just, it's, I mean, I, I come home and I'm home for a week or two and I'm ready to go back. It's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just so much fun and I enjoy it, you know, and I get to meet so many amazing people. You know, I'm not on the level that you are or Elvis, but that that movie I made is The Godfather. So it opens every door in the world for me. But yeah. as you are, as you're experiencing, if the foreign fans are so much more loyal to you than America is oh, so yeah. callous with so much. Well, you get I, I was just in, in Sicily to do a show mm-hmm. in October and then we stopped in London. It's, I can't wait to go back, but it's because they're, they're they're warm. They're, you know, I had the privilege of taking over Sinatra's fan club in Liverpool. Uh-huh. And I got all, yeah, they're, they're grandchildren now on my fans there. So it's, it's yeah. a thing to do. Yeah. What you're doing now, I mean, to carry that legacy is phenomenal. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing. And I, I read Hollywood Godfather. That's oh an amazing book. Let me tell you, you've lived a life now. And you're still talking <laughs> to me. <laughs> Thank God you wrote the book, man. That's, that's, that book I did, I did that book in a studio. And then since then, we have our podcast. So I'm doing our other book, which is bigger than that book. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm starting on it one, on this one, the other six. Pat will be happy to see Pat. That's all that's left of the book. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's a it's a realization that doing the audio was tougher than writing the book. Well, <laughs> sure, yeah. That's true. Yeah, well, you know, to read it, it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, and to me, you know, I'm, I'm and I I'm not, I don't hide from it. I'm I'm basically uneducated. You know, I never went to school. Mm-hmm. When I went to Bellevue, they weren't teaching us because they thought they're going to die anyway. Right. So when I came out to, at twelve. They tried to put me in reform school. <laughs> wow! And I, my, my fast thinking, I went to vocational school. <laughs> became a hairdresser for four months, which made me right. introduced to Marilyn. So where am I going? Yeah, so, like I said, you've lived a very interesting life. <laughs> oh, you know, no, it's been good. And uh, Donnie, you talk, you talk about energy, or, or uh, Gianni talks about energy. I have never met a more energetic person in my life every time i talk to this guy for the last five years he's somewhere he's in a car going here he's somewhere going there and he came up with a with with a a very good analogy when we uh, first started going back and forth doing the first book Mm -hmm. uh i was talking to him i called him up he's on his cell phone i said are you in a car and he said yeah i said where are you going and there was silence he said hold on a second three He's in a limousine. He knocks on a petition. Where are we going? <laughs> the, the, the driver tells him, and he gets back to me, and he says, you know, if anybody ever wants to kill me, all I have to do is pull a limousine in front of my building, honk the horn a couple of times. 
I'll come running down. I'll hop in, and you'll never see me again. Guys, <laughs> charity work mostly, which is which is commendable. That's awesome. I, you know, I'm on the board of a, a charity, Choosing to Live. It's about uh, suicide prevention. Oh my and, god! Which is very close to my heart. Yeah, and right now we're, with all of this opioid and COVID, and yes. I mean, it's it's peaked everywhere. It has. It's it's such a shame. I mean, it's and the thing of it is, is uh, drugs have destroyed so many families across the world. And I think every I think there's every family in the world has been touched one way or another, either by a friend or through family members oh, yeah. with drug abuse. There's there's no way Absolutely. in the world. It's, it's just too big. It's just too big. And I, I mean, I, I, I do a lot of work with special children and all that. And mm-hmm. all I've been asked now is how do we overcome this depression? How do you do it? Cause they ask me, I'm, I'm doing interviews all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't, you ever, nobody be depressed, Pat. No. <laughs> and that's another question. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> I, I need to ask you something, you know, about, <laughs> you know, it, it, the way, you know, so somebody once asked me, you know, when uh, when when COVID started to rear its ugly head, mm-hmm. I said, you know, we're going to go into social isolation for who knows how long. And the, the, the question to me was, how are you going to handle that? I said, I'm a writer. I've been socially isolated for the last 25 <laughs> years. <laughs> no, but that's true, though. You know, we learn to adjust. That's yeah, what we're yeah you have to. And you just can't. You have to. No, and you and, know, and. I depend on my faith a lot, you know, and family oh, and friends too. to oh, help me, me through. I have altars in every one of my houses. I pray yeah. every day on an homage. I pray. Absolutely. That's what, Absolutely. Got me That's what it takes. Because, because luckily, thank God, that God gives us a joy and a peace that uh, we don't have to worry about things. Right. If you believe in them and, and understand the yeah. Bible. Absolutely. Yeah, I get up every day. I'm. What am I going to do today? <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> but you know, I think when I'm one of one of the, and you're probably aware of this too now. Most of these kids don't have a foundation that we have. They have stupid tabloids or whatever they're mm-hmm. walking around with, and they don't even talk to their brothers and sisters. They don't know how to communicate, which is going to be another major problem real soon. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think that's you know. I don't know where it's going. It's not, they it's are not, our future, and it's scary. Yeah. Really it is. Because you don't know what's going to happen. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we would love to have you back again if you will have us, Donna. Are you kidding? I'd love it. All right. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a great kid. Hey, no, if anybody I'm, tunes us in I'm and crazy. they're depressed, they take one look at you with your smile <laughs> and your stories, and there goes the depression. Who needs prescription antidepressant medications. We have Donna Presley. <laughs> you know, well, thank just, you. That's very you know, kind. He just <laughs> touched on something. You could be a depression remedy. <laughs> she is. You should you should have an open line. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let me give you my I, I just I just got a new Facebook page and it's called Donna Presley Official. So have everybody tune in to, you know join that and they can ask me questions. I'll be happy to answer them. Let me ask you a question. I don't know if your manager has told you about it. Do you know of Cameo? 
Cameo? It's called Cameo. Why I'm, why I'm bringing it up, you go to Cameo, have your manager go to Cameo. They register you on Cameo. I do joint meetings. They pay me $200 a minute. Right. <laughs> a minute. Well, I... I, I don't have a manager anymore, so I'll go to that. Well, good. <laughs> well, I'll, anything you want to know about business, call me. I, I really, I I've, corn, I've cornered the market. The <laughs> Cameo, I'm going to send you the app. You go on, just register it. And you you could sing happy birthday to people. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the leash. Oh my God. Yeah, send it to me. I'd love to see it. Yeah. That'd be well, awesome. I, I did. A, I did a uh, an expandable meeting where you could join the five minutes, mm -hmm. five hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, I had fifteen people come on the screen, paid me five hundred dollars. They had chance to ask question, whatever. Yeah, time was over. Do the math. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would be that very. That sounds popular. like a plan. I like that. <laughs> oh, she would. She would be perfect. And you're doing it at your home. You go nowhere. It's on your phone. Somebody send it to you. God, this is sounding better and better. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. And to talk to you, I bet you you'd have a following in a minute. You know well, that awesome. Thank relative. you. No, no, I'll, I'll check camera. into that, definitely. I'm going to send you the app to it. Please and, do. And yeah. you just go on and register. You'll be okay. getting calls right away on it. It's amazing. All right. Fantastic. I will. I'll, I'll tell you one, one thing. They pay every month. Right to PayPal goes into your account. Mm -hmm. No problems. No. Sounds and, like a plan to me. <laughs> and the money is paid before you talk to anybody. They collect it first before they give the code. If so. there's a way to make money, Gianni will find it. <laughs> well, then well, I guess he's giving us all lessons. Then. That's awesome. <laughs> no, please, please. Well, it's always a joy. As Pat said, our audience enjoys you. We're getting the emails. And we know we spoke to you about periodically coming on. And I hope yes, you take us up on that. And I would love to. Absolutely. Be my pleasure. And it's our pleasure and our audience's pleasure. God bless you. Have safe travels. Thank and, you. You and too. Give us our schedules because we'll promote it. We do have, we get people in Germany, people all over the place. There are people all over the world. Yeah. It's fabulous. Crazy. Yeah. Perfect. I'll send it to you. Thank much. you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. We'll be right back, and we're going into the mailbag, one of the biggest parts of our show that we enjoy as much as you. Unless we don't have to do any work. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> this is Patrick Piccarelli, co-host of the Hollywood Godfather podcast. I'm also the president of Condo Security and Investigations, a full-time investigative and security firm established in 1988. We are located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania with worldwide affiliates. Our business paradigm is simple, to provide the most professional services possible while maintaining an ethical standard and client satisfaction. Our areas of expertise include criminal and civil investigations, asset searches, surveillance, executive protection, question documents, background investigations, computer forensics, polygraph, and many other services. Our staff consists of former law enforcement professionals, with hundreds of years of combined experience. Your initial consultation is free. Visit our website, www.condorprivateeye.com or call 724-396-2808. Thank you. Okay, we're back. 
We're back. All right, folks, we've got mail. Uh, the first one is from Travis. Travis wrote a rather long email, so I'm just going to give you the highlights. Uh, he says he lives uh, about uh, two minutes from Joe, ba- Joe Banana's grave. That's a... Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's a... Where, in uh, Arizona? A famous location. Yeah, Tucson. Yeah. Anyway, I, I've known you... I've I know you've mentioned on your show about your disappointment in Bonanno writing his book about the families. What is your opinion about the guys in the life uh, embracing attention in the press? Would Capone, Bonanno, Gotti be the top three hounds in, in the life? Well, my impression, that's their life. I don't have an impression of them. I mean, to me, they chose what they did. No, no, uh, I, I mean about seeking publicity. Well, that's what happens. Well, you don't well, the, I mean, do you think Capone, Capone, you think Capone seeked it? Oh, no. he, he loved, he, he loved he became, Oh, yeah, he, he they all know, but they, what, that's part of their life. Look at Gotti. I mean, he, he would, he'd pose for the press and you tell him where he's going. I, well, that's what Capone would do. And that's what, uh, well, I know, but uh, Joe Bonanno, as far as the press goes and, and publicity, he kept his mouth shut until after he retired and he had his book. And he, he went on 60 Minutes to push the book. Uh, other than that, uh, you know. Are you talking about Joe or Bill Bonanno? Joe. Joe pushed the book? Yeah, yeah, his, his life. Oh, uh, yeah, he wrote a book. Or somebody wrote it. And then uh, Bill, you know, after him. But compared to uh, uh, Gotti and Capone, they, they were two press hounds. They loved it. Uh, and you and I have, have often discussed this. And we have it in our first book. The Mafia it being a secret society. Yeah, uh, you you get yourself in more hot water by saying by going public. Hello, that you might think is innocuous and doesn't mean anything, and two years later it comes back to bite you. You know, uh, no, that's why you know in, in asking that question to you and I, after all the research you've done and all the life I've lived with the real people, they were under the radar. I mean, they they were O'Neill Della Croco probably was the toughest guy in the world. You knew nothing about him. Exactly. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. But then, you know, all these, and everybody, as you know, you, I mean, one of the guys you wrote extensively about was Tony Spilatro. He loved all of that. I mean, forget about it. And it always winds up being their downfall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you you figured you would learn from past history, but hey, this country hasn't learned from its past history. They keep on doing the same things over and over again wrong. But anyway, Travis, getting back to Travis, uh, at the end of his uh, rather lengthy uh, email, he, uh, he says he's starting a podcast. Who is it? Uh, it's going to launch later this year called The Podfellas. I like that. Good name. Right. Anyway, uh, he's uh, he's inviting us to be on his show. And Travis, we would love to do that when you get yeah, we'll up, help you. When you. Yeah, we'll help you out. And when you get up and running and operating, let us know. And simple as that. You you tell us when you're gonna be uh, operational. All right, next one, Gianni. If you listen to your podcast, I gather you are a man of deep faith. Can you speak a bit about the Vatican? I've read the, they're basically their own government with their own laws, currency, agendas, etc. This is not an attempt to disparage the Vatican. That uh, that just seems to be a veil of mystery to it. Love your podcast. Listen every Wednesday morning as I drive into the city. Best uh, wishes to you and Patrick and Megan, wherever she is. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Let's tell us a little about, about, about the Vatican. Well, the Vatican, the Vatican goes along way before, believe it or not, organized crime. 
They have been the secret society for the longest time. The solidarity, most people don't even know. I am happened to be invited to the solidarity 40 years ago. And what is that? That's the inner, <laughs> that's the inner working of the Vatican. You have okay. to be invited to it. You have to be a family member already into it. Like my great-grandfather was a knight of Malta. He was the knights. The knights of Malta protect the private living space of the Pope. Didn't know that. I know. Most people don't know. Below, well, they, the, below the catacomb, yeah. below the catacombs, is the clubhouse of the solidarity. Wow. Interesting. Okay, uh, hope that answers your question, Chris. Next. Uh, this is from Michael. I enjoyed the podcast with Alan Geick. I am the grandson of Alfred Scotty Goldsman. He was an associate of George Gordon and Ruby Collins, spelled K-O-L-O-D. My grandfather is on the cover of Alan's book. I would appreciate any information or recollections you might have regarding my grandfather, who died in 1963, when I was about nine years old, I was very close to him, but, but so young, I have uh, very little information uh, from uh, uh, the, the working days. I guess that he's referring to his working days. He was a very private person, and even Alan was not aware of who he was in the picture. Uh, uh, do you know anything about him? No, nothing at all. Where did they live and grow up? Uh, well, if he was involved in, uh, in, in Murder, Inc., it had to be Brooklyn. Oh, Murder, Inc., I didn't hear that part. Oh, yeah, it had to be then. Yeah, yeah Louis Bookholder and Albert Anastasia. Yeah, but, you know, some of these guys, you know, if you listen to the last question. Hello. <laughs> yeah, they, they, you know, under the radar. In fact, Alan's uh, uncle, George the Bug Workman, was one of the hired killers from uh, Murder, Inc. Uh, he, he kept a very low profile. I mean, he was arrested a couple of times for uh, homicide and he 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 beat them all. Died in bed, nineteen seventy three. Old man. Yeah. So there, it 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 says something if you don't seek out notoriety, I guess. But I was sorry to say, uh, we don't know Alfred Scotty Gutsman. No. Well, that's like you said. It's a long before time. Murder Inc. Yeah. Thirties and twenties. Forget about him. Okay. Uh, from Jeannie, we know Jeannie. Jeannie's a friend of the show. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, for those of you who have uh, read our book, uh, The Sixth Family, we use Jeannie's name in it. All right. So uh, uh, she asked if we could be in the book. You're in the book. There you go. All right. It's like, it's like my, my good friend, friend Oogie wanted to be in the book. He's in the book. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Hello, my friends. I'm listening uh, to your interview podcast. Gianni, you just mentioned how many people died during your stay in the hospital in the polio ward. I had forgotten... Uh, the number of, of people that passed away. That is staggering. That must have been terrifying. I'm so sorry. Do you, Did you remain friends with any of the survivors? No. Nope. I, you know why I didn't? I was making friends with them earlier. They probably missed out on an earlier podcast. I was making friends with these kids. Me being a kid myself, I wanted to have a friend in there. And then every day or every week, that friend I made friends with, he passed. So I got isolated and turned myself more into religion. And if you listen to our podcast, after December 12th, I don't think anybody in the world 
listen to a transistor radio more hours a day. And I still do. It's so crazy. Uh, you know, I, I find that to be quite common. And I, I could use myself as an, an example. Uh, you lost a lot of people when you were young, even though you didn't know them well, but you're a child, you know, as part of the socialization process. Right. You want friends. You, you hung up for friends. And uh, I mean, I've known you five years. You're a dear friend. And, uh, you know, we're very close. You're like my brother. You're kidding. No, but man. yeah, yeah, we are. And I joined at the hip. But I, I can see within you because I'm the same way. When I left Vietnam, when I came home, to this day, I'm very, I'm, I'm very difficult to get close to. So yeah. are you. Yeah. So are you. Oh, no, so, yeah. I, I, I'd rather one or two close people than 500 idiots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> who we like to call acquaintances. Yeah, acquaintances. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I, I see that, in, I see that in you because I see it in me. Yeah. No, and uh, and I, uh, I love, I love solidarity. I, I love my, my, my. I'll try, I love being alone. Yeah, so do I. And I wasn't, I wasn't like that before the war. Yeah, uh, well, I can but, imagine. Very social animal, and it's fifty-five years later, and I'm still the same. And it all comes from. You don't want to get, this is subconscious, of course, but I think, you know, you and I are pretty bright. We figured it out. You don't want to get close to people because subconsciously you think you're going to lose them. Yep. 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 That's it. It's as simple as that. Okay. On that happy note, thank you, Jeannie Raymond. Uh, from James. Patrick, since you live in Western PA, any chance uh, you guys can do a show on the, on the Pittsburgh crime family or Youngstown, which is still, which still may be mob run. I grew up north of Pittsburgh in the nineties, and would. Uh, but how do you get to Youngstown from Pittsburgh? It's close. Is it's it? Close. Oh, is it? Uh, Laos, that's all. Oh, well, that's uh, what I'm saying. You got to take a plane or a car. I no, I, you, I know a lot of people in Youngstown. That's hour and a half. Anyway, uh, uh, where was I? All right, uh, I grew up uh, in the nineties, and, and and would run into children or grandchildren. I suppose. Uh, mobsters and remember gambling operations going back in the business that eventually got busted. Uh, do you know enough to do a show? Yeah. Funny you should bring this up because I have a friend of mine who wrote a book. Uh, I don't know if Johnny will remember this, but he wrote a book about organized crime in Southwestern Pennsylvania, which I thought was very good and very detailed. You know, it, there's no organized crime around here anymore, but there used to be. Uh, what they have now is what I call disorganized crime. I was going to say disorganized crime no, it's just, it there for be. a long time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can if if you want to go into the into the Joker poker business or slot machines and put them in bars, you can do it here. Try doing that in New York. Hello. To cut your hands off, yep. you know, I mean, you have to talk to people who may allow you to do it for a hefty cut of the profits. But to get back to the book, so uh, I spoke to Gianni about this, and I I, I told him because a friend of mine, and I uh, I uh, worked with him when I was teaching and I said, what do you say we invite him on the show? You were agreeable. I said, this, this would be good. We can give an alternate view of organized crime outside of a big city. So I called him and he said, you know, this is why I'm not giving his name. He said, you know, I really can't do that because since I published that book, which was about, I say about seven years ago, he's been in and out of court getting sued by heirs of these gangsters that he mentioned. Oh yeah. So he said, I don't want to, you know, he says, I'm, I'm just, winding up all these lawsuits and I don't want to resurrect them. I say, I get it, man. Uh, well, you know, that that's interesting note because people ask you and I now, why are we writing novels? 
we were leaving ourselves open from the first book. Fortunately, everybody we spoke to, yeah, you know, their ears are not coming after me. I know them all. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have to be careful, you know. Oh, you, no. you know. And that's why now we, we find it a great relief. We talk about friends like we just talked about Augie and Jeannie and uh, yeah. Tony Federici. These are friends of mine. Yeah. They basically gave me permission. I ain't worried about nowheres. But you got to be careful. Everybody yeah. wants to sue everybody. Today. And, and also a, 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 a slip of the tongue, perhaps, about some past indiscretions. Hello. You don't want that brought up, either do I. No, no. So anyway, yeah, we're in the novel business now. And it was, it was a novel <laughs> idea, pardon the bad pun. But, uh, you know, yeah, I can do some. You know, there's, there's a lot of remnants of organized crime. The families are still here, but they're just out of the business. Uh, but this was a very corrupt area Nick, um, little so, nicky and now they're still very alive and breathing <laughs> yeah you know but but there's no organized crime as we know it. but uh i can do some research i think it's a good idea for a show about how it used to be and i said the the the, the remnants of organized crime left here probably in the early 80s and it hasn't been any since the families are here but they're, they're out of it one has got a, a a huge vineyard in the area they're in the wine business i don't have to, i don't want to mention their names but uh, yeah, okay, we'll consider that. I'll definitely look into it. But we're not going to have this guy on the show who wrote the book. <laughs> Too bad, but he's not, he's not coming on. Yeah, he almost had a heart attack when I mentioned He said, what, am I getting sued again? I said, no, 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 we want you on the podcast. He said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'd like to do it. You know, I said, it'll sell books. He said, yeah, and I can use all that money and pay it to my lawyer. Was yeah. thinking, uh, it's going to open up wounds. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this is from Lynette. Yeah, she's a frequent writer. Uh, good morning. I always make sure I'm free on Wednesday morning so I can listen to your show and have done so since the beginning. Well, thank you, Lynette. Wow. Thank you. I wonder if you, this is a good question that's coming up here. I wonder if you have ever thought of having Rita Genovese on the show. I just listened to a talk she did and found it very interesting. And I re, uh, remember you doing a show on her father. As always, keep up the excellence you bring to your podcast. Uh, the Genovese family, we could never have on our family. We can't do that. No. The, okay. the, son, the son's very active. That family is very, very active. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm wondering why she did a, a, a podcast while she was a guest to begin with. Undoubtedly, she wrote a book. Are we going to leave her alone? Oh, yeah, hello. Okay, moving along. But thank you, Lynette, for the question. Oh, and here's the next email. She she provides the link to the... Uh, to the interview, but uh, it's best we don't, I suppose. No, 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 no. It's too close. Right, do you have anything else we can we can tell our listeners? Um, oh, yeah, I have a great thing. Anybody that's going to be in the California area, April 30th, I'm being honored at the Museum of Motion Pictures, Arts and Science. It's on Wilshire Boulevard in Lancashire. And I'm doing a tour of an exhibit of a movie I know very much about. The Godfather. I heard of that movie. Yeah, well, they're having a big exhibit. And more so, we're having our first Sunday annual dinner every Sunday at the museum in the restaurant called Fanny's, which sits about 200 people, very elegant. And they're doing the Corleone dinner, family dinner every Sunday. If you want to sit and eat Clemenza's meat sauce, have some Genko olive oil, it's all our products. And it's a big honor. 
And we also had the honor, as Pat mentioned and I mentioned, we were in the gift bags for the Oscars this year, and that led us to this. So we're very thankful. It's open to the public. Just go on the site. In fact, you can go on open tables. They just opened it up to take reservations. Okay. It's Sunday. It's Sunday, April 30th. So you got two weeks. Good. Also, I would like to bring up the fact that uh, we have a book. It's called The Sixth oh, yeah. Those of you who have forgotten, please uh, please look into it. We're uh, considering writing a second one uh, and uh, batting around some ideas. And if you haven't already read it, go on Amazon. We got a bunch of good reviews, and we think you'll like it. You're gonna you're gonna see things that you uh, think you know, and uh, maybe you don't. Maybe you do. And we have a very avid writer and columnist who's currently reading our book. Yes, who's going to? She sent me a note. No, we could even say it. Look oh. in Cindy Adams's column. She will be re- reviewing the Sixth Family for us. Okay, Cindy Adams, for those of you who don't know, has been a columnist. Uh, I think she invented the, the word columnist. Cindy how long has been doing this? 50 years, got to be. Oh, right? yeah. She's she just not how many newspapers. She could be in your local newspaper as a contributing columnist. Cindy well, Adams. Cindy Adams, but if not, just go online. Uh, the New York Post is her flagship uh, uh, paper, and she'll have her column. She has a column in there, I think, three times a week. Yep. She's been around for a long time. She was uh, married to uh, a pretty well-known comic back in the day named Joey Adams. And oh, my God. Away, he passed away a long time ago. But Cindy, she goes nonstop. And uh, she likes mysteries and thrillers. And she heard about our book and uh, said, I'm reading this. And uh, she's got to do a little piece on it. So, once again, The Sixth Family, available on Amazon. All right, my friend. All right, That's my it. friend. I'm going to get back to recording. And as I promised you, I'll have this done tomorrow. Thank you very much, and we shall be in touch. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. And that was that. And I'll be back. Thank you for tuning in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.